This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, everyone. Today I have Danny Bruflot, who is a shop owner, online educator, and advocate. Her mission is to help people reclaim their time, increase their energy, and ultimately have more impact on the world. Danny is the founder of a paper goods studio called The Daily Page, where they create sustainable, holistic paper goods on a woman-owned printing press in her home state of Minnesota. And she teaches group courses focused on productivity and organization. Her next course, Organize Your Shit, launches on March 25th. You can find all of her products and the course at dailypageplanner.com. And you can take 10% off your order with the code motherhood at checkout. In today's episode, I chat with Danny about her previous career, working as a social media agency and working with larger brands and how she transitioned into only working for herself as her own brand and how she utilizes social media in a healthy way and has set up boundaries that work really well for herself and for her business. Let's dive in. Our first sponsor today is Navy Hair Care. I have been working with Navy Hair Care since they launched back in 2018. At that time, I was about a year postpartum with our third child, and my hair was experiencing some trouble after some significant postpartum hair loss. Navy really helped to strengthen my hair, and I noticed a big difference about one to two months after using it regularly. With biotin, vitamins, and rosemary oil, this shampoo and conditioner combo has been part of my daily routine for years now. I also use the charcoal mask every one to two weeks to help revitalize my hair. It helps to dry out toxins, heavy metals, and impurities, which we have plenty of since we have well water. This mask will leave your hair feeling incredibly soft and lightweight. You can use the code Lindsay, L-Y-N-Z-Y, for 30% off your order, and I will leave the links to the products I mentioned within the show notes. Today's show is also sponsored by Cerebelli. Cerebelli was founded by neurosurgeon Teresa Persner. You can hear all about the story that inspired the brand within the episode we recorded together about six months ago. After becoming a neurosurgeon, Teresa went back to school to earn her PhD in developmental neurobiology at Stanford. After having her three children, she was having a hard time finding baby food that focused on the proper nutrients needed for the developing brain. And thus, Cerebelli was born. Did you know that 80% of a baby's brain is fully developed by the age of three? Cerebelli is the only brand of organic purees that provide 16 key brain-supporting nutrients. Let your baby explore veggie-first, clean-label project certified flavors with no added sugar and spoonfuls of nutrients with Cerebelli. Parenting is an art. Cerebelli is science. And you know how much I love science. 
My kids also enjoy their smart bars, which are great for a quick nutrient packed snack for on the go. Today's listeners can get up to 35% off your first order of Sarah Belly with code Lindsay 20. That's L Y N Z Y 20 plus an additional 15% off when you subscribe and save. Hey, Danny, how are you? Glad to have you today. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So I was trying to think back before we started recording when I even came across your small business, the daily page. And I could have sworn, do you remember when it was exactly? Well, I know that we got connected when you and your family visited Denmark. Yeah. And we, I saw your paper goods in a shop, right? Or something. I don't remember. I just know you like reached out and you were like, I'm in Copenhagen. Like, what should we do? (laughs) And then we kind of connected from there. I could have sworn, I I, I could have sworn I actually had seen your paper goods somewhere anyway. But then of course, just like absolutely have loved following along with your content and made sure that when I left the social media, I had signed up for your newsletter and we still kind of chat occasionally through email, which I love. So I, I really wanted to do this podcast with you, this episode, because I've had many people tell me, you know, that they're really scared to leave social media completely because they have some small business, whatever it may be, whether it's photography or a commerce shop or, you know, whatever it is, they're just nervous to leave social media because that is literally how they're able to reach the masses, which I totally understand from that small business perspective. And I think you've done a really great job handling and making boundaries for yourself when it comes to social media. So I would love to hear, I know you used to work, you had owned your own social media agency and you managed big accounts for brands. So I'd love to hear more about that. I'd love to hear more about why you decided to walk away from that and how and why you made the daily page your full-time job. Sure. So It kind of starts out back in 2011. I had graduated college in 2008. My first job out of college was working as a digital archivist at a publishing company. And after about a year, year and a half there, my husband and I relocated from Minnesota to Wisconsin. And at that point, I kind of talked to the publishing company and was like, you know, I'll keep doing some of the stuff that I'm doing for you if I can do it remotely. And I had always been like the youngest person at the company. And so in my role, I'd kind of fallen into managing like their Facebook and Twitter for business page. And also at this time, Pinterest and Instagram were kind of like coming to age. And so we've relocated to Wisconsin. I started running like their social media and still doing some of their like archival and database work from home. And I had been writing for a local magazine this whole time. And so I also started doing some social media for the magazine. And that just kind of evolved starting then in 2011, where I was kind of like managing social media. And as social media evolved, my company did as well. So by like 2015, I was managing eight different social media accounts for eight different brands in the natural skincare and beauty industries, ranging all different sizes. Some accounts had grown from like 3,000 to 15 or 50,000 followers. One of my accounts had over 5 million followers. So it was like a wide range and I'm doing all kinds of tasks for them. Like my, my workload just kept growing. Like, you know, I'm taking photos, I'm making videos, I'm writing the captions, I'm scheduling the content, I'm moderating the content, I'm turning that content into blog posts, I'm putting it into newsletters. You know, it just, it never ended. And it was really, really busy and really wild. And so I did that until 2019. Somewhere in there, my husband and I relocate to Europe. <laughs> and Big I kind of find myself, yeah, I find myself like in the situation where I'm just like realizing that like I am in this career that I love and enjoy. I think it's really fun. 
but I'm also seeing the negative side of social media. And definitely like the 2016 election showed me the ways that it can be misused and how it can harm people and how it can have real life negative impacts on people. I was starting to be really turned off by like the way advertising was working and the way we were being kind of pressured into targeting and retargeting people. I didn't like how it felt to like feel like I was being encouraged to kind of like go after people's free time or making them feel like they needed to buy things that they don't need. And I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but like mass consumerism does not personally align with like my own values. And so the more I guess my values evolved the more I realized like they just didn't align with this career in social media. And so I kind of had to, I kind of just moved away from like that client work that I was doing, pivoted, realized like I didn't want social media to be my, my cash cow. I didn't want it to be like where my income and my um, livelihood came from. I like social media for certain reasons. I think that there are good aspects to it. I use it for my own personal small business, but I didn't want to be on like that capitalist side of it anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that you have that perspective of it, like from as a, as somebody who was like an influencer on Instagram, I kind of felt like that same way that you did where it was, you know, my values don't match up with this. One day I, you know, you wake up and you're just like, what am I doing? Like, I, I don't like, this is not at all what I would want as a value in my own home. Like, I don't want this to be what I'm valuing in my own work, you know? So did you start kind of like what was your push to even start doing things for the daily page? Like how did you come up with it? Yeah. So the daily page I actually created in 2010. So 12 years ago. And it was at a point where I was like really overwhelmed, really unhealthy physically and mentally. And I just needed something that was going to like help me every day prioritize like the stuff I needed to accomplish along with those like vital aspects of mental and physical wellness. And so I kind of created this layout at the time, like I said, I was working at a publishing company. So I remember like taking the file in and like secretly secretly making like a hundred copies of it. <laughs> and, you know, just like using these like little sheets I printed off. And at the time I had just started like my first blog, you know, in like 2009 or whatever. So I threw like the PDF up on like a, a blog post, you know, so people could like go download it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember like fig- figuring out how to like offer a download at that oh time. Oh my gosh. Being, like, yeah. So cool, right? Like this is so cool, printable. <laughs> so cool. But it was like really popular on Pinterest back then, like this design mm-hmm. that I had made. And people were downloading it all the time, asking for notepad versions, whatever. So 2011, I saved up all my money and I ran like uh, like 50 notepads or something. It was like under 100 notepads. Had them made, sold them out and realized I'm like, okay, people like this. I'm going to keep doing this. And literally from like 2011 until 2020, I just had like this Etsy shop on the side. People could buy it as like a digital download or as a notepad. And it was just kind of like, I guess you'd call it a side hustle or whatever, a a hobby project. I had this Etsy shop. It sold my design. I was always using the design in my daily life. So people saw how I I was like building businesses, managing clients, like maintaining health using the daily page. So it kind of would like sell itself in the background just by me using it and showing it to people. Genius. And then when I decided to leave social media and kind of move away from like the agency and client work I'd been doing. I had learned so much, you know, I had learned a lot about building communities online and like communicating with customers and providing really great customer service and running an online shop and launching products and product photography, like all these things I had learned. And I realized, you know, it's time for me to like put all of that 
all of that I've learned back into my own product, like something that I'm truly passionate about. And that's also going to allow me to like build a business that is based around the values and things that I like really, really believe in and can give back to communities and can be aligned with like the politics that I care about and the causes I care about. And I realized, you know, it's just, it's time to like bring this out of the hobby side hustle world and like make it my focus. That's amazing. I mean, I think it's really great how you you said when you first started even creating this like the sheet that you would print out that you were not in a great place. And I feel like so many things are born that way where it's like we feel like we're stuck and we're not in a great place. And so I say this just because somebody listening might just be like I'm in this huge rut, like I don't know where to go from here. I'm not feeling inspired, but sometimes like the greatest things can be born from that. And like you're you know, your background in working for these bigger brands gave you everything you needed to like launch your own brand and like make this a full-time career, which is so cool. Yeah. I think we always have to kind of examine if we're having a hard time ourselves, what are those things that like help us get out of it? Because like that can be so powerful for other people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So do you want to talk a little bit about like, so 2019, did you completely leave and you just started working for your own brand at that time in 2019? Yeah, it was kind of a slow evolution, like out of the client work and focusing on my own thing. So I kind of you know, phased each client out one at a time. Mm-hmm. And how has your social media boundary usage been since like from 2019 to now? Is it the exact same or have you evolved it over time? Like, what does that look like from a small business perspective? Oh, my God. It's so different now from when I was doing, like, agency work for clients, right? Because I was very tethered to my phone. I was always kind of stressed out and worried about missing something. And so, like, the first thing I did once I was no longer responsible for anybody else's account except my own was turn off all notifications. So I've had, like, every notification for email, Instagram, Facebook turned off for for sure two full years now, if not a little bit longer. So I turned off all notifications. That was a big, a really big boundary that needed to happen. And that felt really, really good. Definitely spending uh, much less time on it. So I'm much more able now to like time box what I'm doing. So like if I'm putting up a post, I want to go on there and like very intentionally, you know, post it and then be present for a little while to actually like, you know, respond to comments, respond to questions interact with my community. And then I get off. I don't like sit there and scroll. (laughs) I really try to like time box what I need to do and have like clear intentions of like why I'm going on there and the things I want to do while I'm in there. And it's amazing, like as a business owner, how much you can accomplish in just like five minutes on there. You know, you can get in like some very like intentional interaction. You can respond to comments. You can clear out your inbox. And that's really like all you need to do. And if you can do that once a day or twice a day, if you need to, depending on like your interaction level, that's enough. Like people think they need to be sitting on there all day. And really it's just about having like this really intentional action plan, I call it. So that when you have those kind of sessions to get on there and moderate your account, you know what to do, you know why you're there. And then when you're done, you get out. Mm -hmm. I think that was, that was my, my, a big issue for me. So I'm very like productivity based, right? So when I would go on there, for me, I was very rarely consuming content and uh, very much focused on my interactions. Like I really prided myself on making sure I was responding to everybody, which became a real problem, obviously, like as the account grew or your business grows, like it's it's really hard to keep up. And 
having that inbox down at zero was, I mean, quite literally an impossible task, in which case, you know, for bigger businesses, I always just suggest, you know, having somebody help manage that for you. Because if you're at that level where you are getting that much of an influx of messages as a small business brand, then it's probably time to to hire someone that can just manage those messages for you, you know, or alternatively, you could just shut off your DMs and within your bio, you could say, you know, email only or whatever, or whatever, you know. So if, if somebody really has that burning question, that's really important to them, they will email you. They'll find a way to get in touch with you. But how much time do you think that you as a small business spend per week, like just managing your social media to, to get your brand out there? So I would say just like, as far as moderation goes, like going in there and doing kind of house cleaning type things within the app. I try to keep it to 10 to 15 minutes a day. So under an hour or around an hour a week, probably. And then I try to schedule out content and captions once a month. And that takes me a couple hours. So I think I can confidently say that I keep that it takes me six to eight hours a month to run a moderately (laughs) nicely curated and active Instagram account for my business. Which I think, I mean, that's actually way lower than I expected you to say, to be honest. Good. (laughs) You know, really, I'm right. Like it's, and you're doing all that yourself, right? Yep, totally. The like graphics. Currently I'm doing like all the photography. I just paid for like my first big photo shoot, which is going to be great. But otherwise I had been doing like all the photography, graphic design, writing the captions, scheduling everything, moderating everything myself. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about paper planning. (laughs) Like we were talking about before this conversation, I was telling you how my husband makes fun of me because I won't use like he'll send me these to do it to do list apps and I like I just can't stand them like I don't feel productive when I like pick up my phone and then like check off that box on my phone like I'm I'm much more productive well personally I have to crinkle the paper <laughs> it's like such a weird thing I crinkle my paper up so like I have your daily page planner like right here next to me I use it every single day by the way but I have to crinkle the pages first <laughs> so like <laughs> I take one page and I crinkle it And then I like smooth it out. And then I start putting down my to-do list, my top three, you know, what I have going on for the day. And I do that every day. But I just don't feel as productive when I'm doing it on my phone. And I think you had a stat in your blog post on this. So if you want to mention that stat where it's like you're actually, what was it? 40% more likely to complete something if you write it down by hand. Isn't that crazy? So this just solidifies the reason why I was so drawn to (laughs) paper. But I am way more productive when I do it. So yeah. So why did you, being in the business you were previously in, seeing at the speed of light how social media was becoming more and more prevalent in people's lives, why did you focus more on something that was like tangible, like paper planning, as opposed to, oh, I'm going to create, you know, some new app that people can use to kind of manage their life? Like, why did you go that route instead? Yeah, I love this question. I think it's funny because a lot of the issues that we see with social media, right? Like that's basically digital communication, digital community building. We see those same issues with digital organization, digital product management. With social media, you're taking social interactions and trying to digitize them. You know, you're taking something that's very human and trying to make it digital. And now we have so many of these like digital tools, digital services, and I don't want to come across as trying to like vilify them. I love them. I use them every day. Mm -hmm. I will sing their praises 
until the cows come home. But there are aspects to being productive, to executing on tasks that are very human, that cannot be replaced by technology, right? Like we are not robots. And I think a lot of people fall into this like thing where they're trying to like make every aspect of their life automated and fast and digital. And like there is at least one element of that that is just still so human. And I think that that's executing on the tasks, like actually making your brain take action that a lot of people miss out on. They kind of, that falls out of the system for them somewhere and they kind of end up lost, right? So they might have like a very organized calendar system in, on their computer and they might have a great like project management system, yeah. but they have like completely lost touch with the human element of it, which is like feeling ownership over it, kind of giving your brain that time to start working through the task required to complete it. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of us, that is given to us through our hand, through that hand-brain connection. And like, obviously, I don't need to like tell you this, but our hands are full of nerves. Mm -hmm. And simply just writing something down really provides our brain with that motor feedback that allows it to like feel ownership, start thinking through, you know, each step it's going to take to reach it, gives us time to start processing it. And that's really important to like taking action and actually getting stuff done. And a lot of us just don't even do it anymore. Right. I mean... I would love to do. I, sh- I should have done that before I left social media. Should have done, done a poll, right, to see how many people still use paper. I mean, a lot of the people that I've talked to still use paper. And you know, even when I would talk about because I've talked about your planner quite a few times, and whenever I have, I mean, people are really interested in this. Like, I, I don't yeah. know. At least women. I mean, men are kind of a different beast. My husband personally really likes everything digital. And rarely writes anything down. But I don't really know many women who don't have some to-do list or a calendar that they still write in, especially when it comes to like, you know, these these bigger like they make planners, they make planners so complicated these days. Right. I'm like, why does this have 55 stickers (laughs) and like a bunch of other things where I can like fold down the page and put this there? And I'm like, all I need is like a calendar and like a to-do list. Like I mean, I just, it's so wild to me. Like, that's why I like really like yours because it's like every day. And sometimes I'll just keep the same. I, it's not, I don't even use one sheet per day sometimes. Like sometimes I just use the same page for like a few days in a row because I'm still like working through my list or like I've written down like what we're doing for dinner for the whole week on that page, you know, whatever. You don't have to like go through at one page per day You can use it however it works for you. But and it's undated, so you can do whatever you want. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like I find it very difficult when planners are – I don't know. I, it, there's no like right-size-fit planner for everybody. And so I'll th- I feel like a lot of the planners are that way where it's – you know, it, this particular planner is not going to work for everybody, you know. Today's episode is sponsored by WellEments. I have worked alongside this brand for quite a few years now and can attest to the high quality and efficacy of their products. All of their products are certified organic, preservative-free, and bottled in glass. Their products range from daily vitamin and mineral supplements to products to help with tummy troubles, teething, and the sniffles. Personally, we have loved their vitamin D drops for our infants, their tooth oil, and cough medicine. They are actively building out their children's line and they just launched immune support, elderberry and multivitamin gummies, and probiotic stick packs. If you are looking for a great gift for a mother-to-be, their O Baby Bundle would be perfect. It includes all of their best-selling newborn products, including grape water, vitamin D drops, chest and foot rub, and more. You can use the code MOTHERHOODMEETSMEDICINE for 20% off at checkout. 
You can find all of these details in the show notes as well. Let's get back to the episode. Anywho, yeah, I'm somebody that just can't, I, I can't do the digital, the digital planning. I thinking about it now, I don't really know. I just for the first time last night used Evernote. It's funny because I signed into it. The last time I used it was 2013. <laughs> like, what the day was. like my last note was from 2013. I was like laughing at oh myself. My this is no, I just had this exact same experience last week. I'm not kidding. Like I logged into my Evernote account and the only thing in there was the PDF from the place that we had our wedding reception in 2011. That's <laughs> like, oh. the only thing in there. So my friend last night, we were planning, we were planning summer. So summer camps are like kind of frustrating, like trying to figure out like which ones you want to do and then whatever, especially when you have kids that are all different ages. So she sends me, she's like, okay, well, here's what I'm doing. And she sends me this table where it's like it has all the dates of the summer, like each week, each week of the summer from July through August, and then which camp, if they're doing a camp or if they're on vacation or what they're doing that week in the next row. And I was like, and I kind of thrive off of stuff like that. I'm like, oh, that visually, that's so amazing. <laughs> like I need to do that because my brain focuses really well when I when I put it all like into something like that. And I was like, where did you create that? And she was like, oh, you just insert a table into Evernote. And I was like, Evernote? <laughs> like, I haven't that used that in so long. And I honestly, I probably won't use it again until next year when I reorganize my summer camps. But I like went in there last night and I'm like spending like 15 minutes like creating my table. And I, I, I felt like 150% better after I created my table and it was done than like earlier on in the night when I was like super stressed about like trying to figure out the summer and how it was going to work out and everything. And once I put it down into something like this table, I was like, this is amazing. So I, I agree with you. I think that there's definitely a place for digital planning and there's definitely you know ways to use it that are, are really helpful and won't make you more stressed because I do feel like when you have so many things going on on there, just like with anything else on your phone, you know, it just clouds your brain and it's like, it's like this inability to focus because you're putting your all your apples into all these different like apps and and what have you. You don't even know like what app you need to open up to like log your, <laughs> I don't know, your water intake. You know? Right. And it's a time suck. Yes. Like it sucks time and energy. I think the statistic is something like the average knowledge worker spends 60% of their time like moving around information and doing administrative tasks within the systems and services that they use to organize information. Oh, yeah. So it's like you're spending 60% of your day like shuffling the food around your plate and 40% of your time like actually creating stuff. And I think that's just kind of wild. I think you're pretty big on statistics too. So you might know this one. I don't remember where I read it or heard it at this point, but the average American worker can only concentrate on one particular task for three minutes at a time now. (laughs) is that not like i mean like sound the alarm like that is like dramatic (laughs) yeah really concerning surprise me when you look at like all of the tools and stuff that people are expected to use like throughout their workday like going in and out and in and out of all of these different services and And how can you actually like focus yeah 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 i mean you know it's I, you're you're expected to go into your email, answer this, and then go over to. I mean, I can't even imagine because I've never had a job where I've needed to like bounce around like that. But I, I just sound and I'm I like to think that I'm somebody who kind of thrives on chaos. Like you know, 
like working in the emergency department, you you need to be able to thrive on chaos or else you'd never survive there. Like it's it's like a chaotic environment is the more chaotic the better, you know, for me. When I'm in a working environment, like in a very present work environment where you're just talking with people like face-to-face type of thing, that type of chaos. But when it comes to like if I had to sit at a computer and I had like all these things going on and all these tabs and all, I, w- I probably would lose my mind. I don't think I could handle it, <laughs> you know? Something yeah. And it, it. again, it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, we're so lucky to like live in an age where we have these tools at our disposal. Like I love getting a, a reminder 15 minutes before this podcast, you know, from my calendar, mm-hmm. like making sure I don't yeah. freaking forget about it, you know, like amazing, like imagine <laughs> living without some of these things. But I think the the challenge for most of us is like finding how to, yeah, the balance and like how to combine the services that we need to use digitally to like really advance our lives and do better but keep them grounded in like these very human routines, like making to-do lists, writing things down, setting goals, those things that like we just can't digitize, like we can't put them into technology and like learning how to balance them. And I think that's really hard for a lot of people because they find a lot of redundancy with it and they quickly like fall into a state of entropy with them because they just kind of like allow their systems to fall apart. But it is possible. It is really, really, really possible to like find that combination of like digital and paper systems that work well. Mm -hmm. I used to be someone who was, and this might sound strange because, you know, I was online a lot, but I really thrive off of like the older ages. Like I, I wish I kind of like lived during, you know, the 1960s and 70s. And I just love like I don't know. I just love the older age where everything was slower. Everything was more purposeful. And so I find it very hard for me personally to migrate into this like big tech, like everything is digitalized type of era. And especially I think it's been very apparent, like raising children in this era because you see the drastic effects it can have, especially on children as they're growing. And so there quite possibly couldn't be anything more important than trying to learn what we can about technology, how we can use it to our advantage, but then learn about the downsides of it and when we need to switch over to that very human way of doing something and when that comes into play and kind of making this nice balance of the two and teaching our kids to do the same because you know, you really can't teach your child to do that until you have been able to do it yourself. And I think it's really hard for us that, especially like my generation who grew up in the 80s and the early 90s with this childhood where everybody was outside, there was literally no technology at that point. I think I might have had a Nintendo at some point that I played like a few times ever and then had dial up AOL when I was in high school, you know, like so it was very, very, very different than it is now. And so for me to try to find this balance of the two, I think that's why I swung so much to the other side and deleted all my social media is because like I could not find that good balance, but I knew that the balance I did have was negative. It was a negative balance. And so in order to balance it out, I just had to delete it completely. But it's so important, I feel like, to learn about, you know, how can I make this into a healthy balance for my own life? You were telling me about this in the beginning of the podcast, the course you have coming up that basically talks about this, right? 
Yeah, I have a course launching March 25th, starts April 3rd, that is kind of all about like organizing your system. So if you're someone who kind of feels like you're falling into this state of overwhelm when it comes to like your digital life, whether it's like your digital calendar, your digital project management systems, how you keep and store like notes, research information. It's basically a super simple course. The whole, All of the content will take you less than two hours to consume to basically learn how to like get everything in shape. <laughs> so it's just all about like organizing your systems and learning how to align them with, you know, paper planning or whatever you want to use to kind of like execute on your plans. So yeah, the basic goal of it is just to kind of teach you like super simple tool and tech and help you get everything organized. Yeah, which I think is great. What do you think? Do you have any like suggestions that you would give? Say somebody came up to you, Danny, and they were like, I have been using social media way too much. I have seen the negative effects it has on me, but I just launched a business last year. I really want to get it off the ground. I have these big plans for it, but for right now, I think I really need to be focusing a lot on social media because, you know, I don't have many people that know about my business right now. What would your suggestion be for them? Like what would you say to them? Well, I would definitely encourage them to set up a newsletter and start collecting email addresses. Newsletter for the win. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Yes. Why should they create a newsletter? This is important. Yeah. I think it's just a great direct line of communication with Mm -hmm. your customers, but also a really good way to create community and you own it. And so you own their information. You're never going to lose it. It's not at the whim of a social media algorithm or them deleting your account. And so As soon as you start growing a business, you should be trying to collect that information from your customers. And obviously, I think it's important to like always like respect that, be very happy that they've given it to you and provide Mm -hmm. them with value and service through whatever you're going to send them. Don't abuse the fact that they gave you their information, but start collecting that information so that you're growing a list of your customers and put a lot more time and attention into that than you are, you know, trying to grow your followers or (laughs) whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's something that's so important. I didn't have to worry too much about that because I started when there was blogs, you know, there was like this quick turnover. So those that started before 2010, I feel like all have their own space on the internet. That's theirs, you know, and after that, it became, you know, that people created their brands, but it was a social media based brand and they didn't have a home, you know, mostly Instagram influencers that had, you know, created their brand, but hadn't, you know, pulled that over into a space that they own. But yeah, that's why like newsletters are, they're so great. First of all, they're so easy. And once I learned about Flowdesk, um, hello, so much cheaper. I was spending so much money on MailChimp. It was crazy. Same. Like, right. Mm -hmm. I mean, anyway, I mean, Flowdesk is absolutely amazing. And it's relatively inexpensive compared to other options like MailChimp. And it's self-explanatory as how as to how you can set it up. So MailChimp, I felt like was so difficult to learn as far as like making it look cohesive mm-hmm. um, and pretty, you know, but when it comes to Flowdesk, I feel like it's, it's pretty easy to use. And it's just a great way to be able to, like you said, just build that database of your customers where you can reach them. If the internet decides to, you know, if the, if social media apps just decide to like, like, I don't know what one of the days in the fall, like Instagram went down for the day and Facebook went down for the day and 
people were like, oh my gosh, like, well, that could happen, but it could happen for a longer period of time. And you'd have no idea what's going to happen with these big tech companies. And if they're gone and you just built, you spent all this time building this amazing platform where you had this community, but you have no way of reaching them if that were to collapse or go away, you know, that would be like a real shame. So I, I love that. I love that tip because it's, it's really, really important. And you can get a good idea as to like who's engaged, you know, because you could have this Instagram or Facebook account and you could, you know, be putting all this content out there, but you really don't know who it's reaching because Instagram is just wild with how it like one day your views are this, the next day they're 20% more or 50% less or, and it's really hard to gauge exactly who's seeing or is who is really interested in your content. So if for a couple of weeks you just say, Hey, like, here's my newsletter, sign up if you're interested in hearing about X, Y, and Z, you can get a good idea as to like who is really engaged throughout like how many people are part of your community. So if your community is, you know, 5,000 and you have 500 people sign up for your newsletter, you can get a good idea as to how many people you're actually reaching on there. And it kind of opens up that door for if you wanted to hop off social media in a year from now, you could make your goal. Like I, this, this year I am going to really try to build my newsletter subscribers and that's what I'm going to concentrate on. I'm going to concentrate on creating really thoughtful and purposeful content for my newsletters. So that way I know that it's valuable for the person that's opening it and having people sign up throughout the year, building that and then leaving social media or just saying, I want to use social media 50% less. So the newsletter will allow me to do that. And I'll just, you know, reiterate again and again that the way I'll be communicating is through my newsletter and not necessarily social media. Yeah. I think that's, That's really great. What else? Is there anything else you want to add? Well, I was going to just make a point. Well, I was going to make two points. One, I was going to say, you know why Flowdesk is so intuitive, right? Mm -mm. It's because it was designed by women. (laughs) Well, I mean, that makes sense. (laughs) It is like funny though, like how you can get into a a software like that and you're like, oh my God, this just makes so much sense. And like, it's so easy to use. And then you're like, oh, women made it and like nothing against men. But you, I feel you just can tell that like it was made by women, like how the workflows make, like make sense and like where the buttons are makes sense. And it's like, yeah, yeah, everything makes sense. Really. I go in there and I'm like, oh, this is what I'm looking for. Really within two seconds. If I'm like the other day, I was trying to figure out how I could copy a link to my newsletter directly. And so I go on there and I'm like, oh, this is going to take me forever. And like within two seconds found it. But you know, it's pretty genius. (laughs) I do love that. I do love that, that company. Yeah. But then I was also just going to say that you and I both have kind of a similar similar strategy, I think, when it comes to our newsletters. Like we both send a weekly newsletter. Our newsletters are really there to like serve our audience. I have a weekly newsletter that goes out every Friday called The Weekly Page. And it literally is like a paragraph being like, here's what's up in my life today, or like maybe talking about some current events. And then I give people something to read, watch, listen to, and enjoy. So it's always like, you know, relevant information, like what's happening, what you should know about something great I watched on Netflix or HBO, whatever, like a recipe that I tried. And it's really like serving and nurturing my audience. And then if I have something to sell, if I have a new product or I have a course coming up, it's not so weird that they get an email in their inbox. And they also know that like, you know, it's worth opening because I'm going to give them like all these great tips and free information and free downloads and all this stuff. And so it's like, it's about like genuinely using your email list as a place to like communicate, build community, serve your audience, give them value, and then tell them about the things that you have to offer when you have them. 
and usually people react so much better to it. And I just look at like my social media as a way to like build my email list. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that that's, that's the way you should, you know, I think that's perfect. One of my friends was telling me, uh, this was years ago, we were talking about how, well, you know, I, I've mentioned this before with Instagram stories, but I feel like so much of the content on there is absolute shit. Right. Like really so it's, much. it's shit. I'm like, what? And I'm so sick of the reels now. Like, <sighs> girl, you got out of there, like just in time. Like I can't do any more of these reels with like, especially like the digital blackface that's going on with like all these white women, like <laughs> doing these voiceovers of like, you know, Asian people or black people. I'm like, this is racist and I can't consume this. Anymore. Oh my gosh. I, I just can't. <laughs> I bless your heart. I can't be on there anymore. That would get me. Everything just gets me so worked up. It's just gotten out of control. I was talking to my friend and she was like, I really try to make my content that I put onto Instagram stories or my Instagram feed, whatever, 70% or 75% of it serves my community. 25% of it mm-hmm. is serving meat or so, you know, it was like something like that type of ratio where 75% of that content that you're putting onto your business page, your business newsletter, anything is serving your community. So that could be a tip, that could be a discussion, that could be, you know, whatever it is, you know, be creative about it. And then 20, 20 to 25% of it is asking something of your community, whether that's, oh, you guys, like I really need some reviews over here or, oh, here's a new product, would love your support, whatever it is. I think it's very rare that people follow that rule. You know what I mean? But I think that's what keeps people very loyal to your brand, you know, is when you're offering something for them the majority of the time. And then, oh, by the way, I still run a business, you know, and, you know, X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Like you said, where it's like you you send out this newsletter on a weekly basis where it, it's fruitful for the people opening it. I love opening your newsletter. Thank you. And then once in a while, it's, oh, yeah, I have this new product or I have this new course that I'm launching, you know, but it also lets us see you as a person, what you value and like everybody that's behind a business or a brand has you know, a life and, and has all these things we'd love to learn about them. And I think that also helps to create that connection with your community because they are understanding, oh, Danny really loves to watch these types of shows. And then she loves this type of content. And then it creates this like community with people, you know? And like, I feel like we've talked way more in the, in the last couple of years where we're like, Hey, did you see this article or there, did you listen to this or read this? But it's because I know more about you through what you've put into your, your business, you know, like whether it was on your page or whether it was through a newsletter. So I just think it's, yeah, I think it's great. Yeah. And it's, it's a great way to find your people, you know, like, of course yeah. you're going to like turn some people off when you talk about the things that you stand for or whatever, but that's where you find like the people that align with you. And that's, you yeah, know, I don't want to try to appeal to everybody. That's never been my goal. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I think you and I are kind of on the same page as far as that goes. We're like, eh, whatever. But I also think it's good because I think, in 2022, it's unfortunate, but I feel like people are much less apt to listen to somebody that disagrees with them, obviously. Like, we know this. There's been studies about it. Like, you know, kids that are in college currently, like, are less able to, you know, attend some sort of speech by somebody that they think that they're going to disagree with and they just won't go, you know, that sort of thing. They yeah. just, they aren't open to hearing other voices that might be disagreeable to their own. But I personally like, 
when I was on social media, I really had a hard time with it because it, it was a lot being on there in general. And so it was very difficult for me. But now that I'm off, I actually enjoy that conversation or, or that dialogue because it really helps you. First of all, I mean, you can only progress in your own thinking when you're able to listen to it be open to listening to other people that are, you know, somebody that might disagree with you. I mean, you're never going to like exercise your brain if you're constantly listening and talking with people that agree with you. Like where are we going to get as a country, as a world, not listening to people that might disagree with us? It might be a conversation where you you don't end up agreeing at the end, but it's still like it's still progressive as opposed to just being in a conversation where somebody's like, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So where did that conversation go? You know, whatever you might say with that person that's disagreeing with you, it might actually land somewhere with them or vice versa. You know, something that they may, they might say, you might be like, oh, I never thought about it that way. I still think this way, but I, I do hear and I'm empathetic to whatever you're saying about X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Anywho. That's a little tangent. <laughs> Such an opportunity to learn, though, from other people. And I, yeah. I agree. I think it's really important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways, this was amazing, Danny. I really appreciated having you on. I think it will be helpful for those that you know might have their own small business that want to learn how to manage it better and try to balance you know, that paper versus digital world a little bit better and maybe cut back on their social media and how to do it. And yeah. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. Thanks for taking the time. Of course. It was good to catch up with you. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. All resources mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes on lindsayandco.com. To continue these important conversations, head over to Motherhood Meets Medicine on Instagram. Let me know what you learned from this episode and who you would love to hear from next. I always love getting feedback from you. If you're finding value in this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. This will help us to reach even more women from around the world. I'll catch you next week. Until then, don't forget to find some time to unplug, unwind, and have a little fun. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.